How I Became a Spy, Chapter 12. Little Rue! I leaped forward. Eleanor grabbed my arm. We have to stay back. They'll bring her out. You'll see. I shook her off and plunged ahead. I didn't get far. A burly rescue worker in dark blue overalls stood in the entrance with a lantern. He put out his arm. Easy now, lad. We don't want anyone else to get hurt. I stepped back, my eyes glued to the gaping hole where a door had been. Through it, I could see smashed furniture, a broken pram, a child's boot. The family had probably gone for a walk that very afternoon. I imagined a young mother waiting in a long queue with her ration card to buy food for her family. And now? I swallowed hard. I knew that a dog, even a dog helping in a rescue, would always be last on the list to save. How are things going? Warden Ida asked softly. He'd come up behind us. His arm on my shoulder felt solid and warm. Hello, Warden. The rescue worker shifted his hurricane lamp so he could shake hands. We're trying to get two little ones and their mum out. The spaniel helped us find a path to them, but now it seems as if some of the rubble has shifted. Any injuries? Warden Ida gestured toward the street. The ambulance has just arrived. We'll keep it standing by. Can't be sure yet, the rescue worker replied. He wiped brick dust from his eyes, leaving a smudge on his broad face. You know, Warden, I thought we were done with all of this. I'm not sure how much longer Londoners can hold out. We'll hold out as long as we must, Warden Ida assured him. Besides, the tide's turning. Once our troops invade France, they'll dive, drive Hitler's forces back to Berlin in no time. The man asked a question about, about the rescue worker schedule, and Warden Ida moved closer to answer. I felt cold suddenly without him behind me. I couldn't hear their exact words, but a strange thing happened. Their voices started to sound distant and tiny. Maybe I was just hungry, but I started to feel dizzy and hot and cold at the same time. One minute, it was like being stuck at the bottom of an empty well. And then it seemed like someone was pouring icy water over my head. The water got deeper and deeper, creeping over my chin and up to my mouth. I had a hard time catching my breath. Images flooded in. I was there again, our old house. I could smell the sharp cordite of the gunpowder, the burning wood. Thick brick dust cogged my throat and nostrils. The sounds came back too. The staccato of the ack-ack guns, rumbling planes, walls and beams crashing, terrified screams, my screams. One part of me knew it wasn't real. I tried counting. That had worked before. One, two, three. One, two, three. Then I felt myself sway and was sure I'd be sick to my stomach. Bertie! I heard my name and felt someone grab me hard. Bertie! I opened my eyes, and there was Dad. He pushed my head down close to my knees. Keep your head down, lad, before you faint. Breathe now, slow and easy. That's it. You're all right, son. It's going to be all right. Ten minutes later, I was able to stand up straight without the world spinning. Eleanor stood beside me, closer now. She didn't say anything, but she did push a donut into my hand. I mumbled my thanks and nibbled gratefully. After a while, Eleanor reached across me to shake my father's hand. Good evening, Officer Bradshaw. You must be Bertie's father. I'm Eleanor Shea. Bertie and I volunteer together. We do? I thought. I shot her a glance, but she was smiling politely at Dad. At that moment, we heard a shout from inside. 
The burly, heavy rescue man who'd been talking to Warden Ida disappeared into the rubble, carrying some rope. He returned shortly, saying, We've got our best team in there. Stan's a stubborn Scotsman, and Tommy never gives up. But it's slow going. They don't want to disturb anything and bring beams crashing down. I swallowed hard. We heard Rue yelp, I told Dad. I just hope she's not hurt. He squeezed my shoulder. Oh, she's tough. She'll want to be getting home for her tea. How was your afternoon? I managed to ask. My shivering had stopped, along with a strange, queasy feeling. But Dad kept his arm around my shoulder. Fine. Will's spirits are fine. The doctors are good and everyone... And everything's going well, as well as we can expect, he said. How did you find me here? I asked. After I got your note, I decided to check in at the command post. I saw Warden Hawk, who directed me here. Just hold on a little longer, Bertie. They're doing their best to bring everyone out. Neighbors still huddled in small, anxious groups. Some wore their nightclothes and shivered in the cold moonlight. During the blitz, we'd all wandered the streets in pajamas with coats on top, even grown-ups. Some people would head to the tube stations or public shelters each evening, prepared for a long night, and then they'd go home the next morning. After air raid nights, school often didn't start until 10. I had red pajamas then. Now I had blue ones. If I'd left them on my bed in the morning, I'd come home to, from school to find that little Rue had scooped them up into a little nest. I'd seen her do it. She'd push them round and round with her paw. Then, when she was satisfied, she'd plop down in just the perfect spot. Here's Tommy now, cried the rescue volunteer. A man covered in dirt and dust emerged, struggling to hold a baby girl in one arm and a squirming toddler in the other. Warden Ida sprang forward to the little boy. He passed him back to one of the waiting ambulance women. Mommy, the boy yelled between sobs. I want mommy. A woman's voice answered, I'm here, sweetheart, right behind you. The second rescue worker appeared, propping up a limping woman with one arm. This must be Stan. In his other arm, he held another squirming bundle. He grinned and called out, and who belongs Tay, this furry creature? Me, I reached out to gather LR into my arms. Is she all right? Just a wee cut on her foot. He grinned as neighbors rushed forward to help the mother toward the ambulance. Funny looking thing, but she wouldn't have give up till she found the wee bairns. I think that means kids. Oh, thank you, I cried. LR's tail wagged crazily. She snuffled, licked my face, and buried her muzzle under my chin. She was warm and soft and alive. I felt her paw. It seems all right. I'll check it when we get home. Go on then, Bertie. Good job tonight, both of you, Warden Ida said. He nodded toward the American girl. Best walk Eleanor home first. I glanced at Dad. If you're up to it, go ahead, Bertie. I'll have tea and toast waiting for you. I'll find the first aid kit, too, he said. Do you want me to take little Rue home now? Dad looked at me and grinned so wide his mustache quivered. This morning, he practically threatened to get rid of LR if I didn't start becoming more responsible. Now I wondered if he really would. Little Rue had wormed her way into his heart. I smiled back. That's all right, Dad. I'll walk my bike and LR can ride in the basket in case her paw hurts. Good night, Warden Ida. Eleanor shook his hand. Also, may we ask a favor? Bertie needs me to help him out with the project. I wonder if we could use that small meeting room in the command post after school this week? It was all I could do to keep my jaw from dropping open. What is she talking about? 
Of course, Warden Ida replied. We have a regular meeting there on Tuesday afternoons, but other than that, it's fine. What are you helping Bertie with? I stared, wondering what she would say, but Eleanor was quick on her feet with an answer. Oh, it's about books, she said smoothly. My father is a literature professor back home in Connecticut. He's taught me a lot. Dad's face brightened. Is your father teaching here in London? Um, no. He works for the Office of Strategic Services, she shrugged. Something to do with the war. The Office of Strategic Services. What is that? I wondered. Like the Inner Services Research Bureau? It seemed like a made-up name, meant to cover something else. It occurred to me then that even if Eleanor Shea wasn't a spy, her father might be. Hmm. The secret word for this chapter is elephant.